Hello and welcome into episode 14 of the Stomp the Bus podcast. I am your host, Mark Harris, along with uh, Colton Dodgson, who's decided to uh, impersonate me for this call. Uh, how you doing, man? Good, Mark. It uh, feels good to walk a mile in your shoes. Um, I'm happy to be back. I think I have smaller feet than you. I don't. That must have been pretty uncomfortable. Don't tell yourself short, Mark. No, I think I literally have smaller feet than you. Oh, so uh, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe it, it was uncomfortable, Mark. Um, but you know what? That's what you deal with every day. So, yeah. Um, if I'm not if I'm not uh, putting myself through that, then I'm not truly trying to uh, have the Mark Harris experience, which I think is a valuable experience to to have. All right. Uh, well, speaking of being uncomfortable, ASU uh, lost <laughs> lost to USC over the weekend. Um, final score was forty two to twenty five. And you know what? Like, obviously, you never want to lose, but considering what I thought this game could could have been, I was I don't want to say impressed, but I was um, I was okay with the performance that ASU put on the field against the Trojans. Yeah, I mean, they scored points, but USC's defense is, is awful. Um, True. They really had that one blip against um, against Oregon, Oregon State, State where they just yeah. completely shut them down, which was um, out of the the ordinary for USC because they are, are not good defensively. But uh, either way, you know, 25 points is good regardless uh who it's against uh, regardless of who it's against this is the number 6 team in the country um but i mean obviously they were going to come in and, and score a ton of points too right. they they score 42 um so yeah, yeah. Caleb Williams needs to be in the NFL like that dude does not look like a college quarterback like he looks better than a lot of the guys in the NFL already yeah, no, he's he's going to be good. And Jordan Addison is obviously really good, too. Eight catches yeah. for 105 yards. So um, it, it's not like anybody thought that ASU would have any sort of answer for this team. They kind of hung with them for a little while before USC yeah. uh, really pulled away and, and put some distance between uh, them and ASU. But, yeah, I mean, Eric Gentry – gets gets the better of his former school here. He wins the, the revenge game, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think it was really, like, <laughs> I, I hope Eric Gentry has a good career, but, like, <laughs> he wasn't the reason USC won. That was uh, the other No, I, I know, Mark. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I know he had that circle up on his calendar, and he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show them. Um, I so. mean, he probably did. Probably, probably not, like, Showing them like out of malice because he chose to leave. It's not like they kicked him out, but yeah, exactly. Regardless, uh, I don't want to. That was kind of a joke, Mark. Litigate the Eric Gentry, Eric Gentry stuff, but um, I guess the thing that I liked about this game for ASU was that if they play the way they did against the Trojans, if they just bottle that up and play like that for the rest of the season, they're gonna. They're probably going to finish like like they're going to win a few games in the Pac-12, you know. Like if it if they had played that way, and, and I think they kind of played that way against Oklahoma State too, because both of these games were kind of similar. Where ASU was in the game for a half, three quarters, 
Um, and then talent won out and the other team won. But if ASU just plays like a competent, disciplined game, uh, like they did against NAU as well, um, they'll be able to beat Stanford. They'll be able to beat Colorado. Um, maybe U of A. And then maybe you pick off uh, an Oregon State at home or something. Maybe you pick off a win somewhere else. Uh, but the, and I'm just excited to see that just be just in terms of just watching this team for the rest of the year. You know, I mean, we were both at the Utah game. That was off an awful performance by them. And then, um, I was at Eastern Michigan game. Obviously we know what happened there. Uh, if like, if that team had showed up for the rest of the year, then I could easily see them losing to Colorado and having a total with just one in 11 year that just is awful. Um, you know, not like going four and eight or five and seven is some something to brag about, but in you know in college football there's no benefit to losing games. There's no draft at the end of the year, so you might as well fight to go five and seven or four and eight. Wait, there, there isn't <laughs> one and eleven. Um, I so. first I'm hearing of this. I was going to say this is good for their draft stock, but no. Okay. Now I don't know what they're playing for. Just to improve, I guess, for the yeah. few guys who I, – I, I don't know. You know, I mean, teams change all the time throughout the year. And uh, obviously, like, they, they weren't going to beat USC and they weren't going to beat Utah. But, I mean, look, they gave Utah um, USC a way more of a fight than Utah. I mean, it was, what, 20 – it was 21 – yeah, it was 21-17 USC at half. And – if you're a USC fan, you did not expect that. You thought you were going to be up by probably two, three touchdowns at half. Um, and ASU at least made them made them sweat. And as we look forward to the Washington game on Saturday, that's kind of what I'm hoping for against the Huskies as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. This is kind of a get-right spot for Washington after that loss to, uh, to UCLA. The spread is 14 points. That seems about right. Yeah, um, I I think I think you or Washington covers that. I don't know. I don't know how competitive ASU is going to be in this game. Um, it, which is weird because I mean, but I guess it's NAU. But I, I'm just looking back. Even in that first half against the Oklahoma State game, I'm like, this is going to be at the very least a solid defense. Um, and we've gotten anything but that lately. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in this game. Uh, Washington's defense gives up 23.2 points per game. Obviously, they got torched by UCLA. Yeah. Um, so this seems like the wrong the wrong time to play Washington. I don't really think this is going to be a close game. Um, I, I, nothing like the USC game, I don't think. But we, we'll see. I mean, hey, Mark, I've been wrong before. It's true. One of us uh, picked ASU to beat Utah this year. So, hey, that was my hail mary sort of preseason. Could see it happening. I didn't know that they were going to lose to Eastern Michigan, Mark. So one of us picked them to beat Eastern Michigan. You know, so one of us did, and another of us did too. <laughs> prove it. You can't um, prove it. Yeah. So. It's definitely going to be tough. I mean, Washington is a killer offense. Even in their bad game last week, they still scored 32 points. Uh, Penix is really good. And look, AS, I think 
I think ASU's defense actually played better than the 42 points would indicate uh, last week. Just because, and, and when I mean play better, I mean like play like more disciplined because they had so many opportunities to sack Caleb Williams in the backfield. And obviously they played really well. They would have made those sacks and that would have led to less points, but it seemed like they were in the right place more often. And you definitely didn't see that against Eastern Michigan. Um, so that's kind of where I, I don't think that ASU is going to win this game. Um, but I think, I, I think of the three ranked or not the three of the four ranked teams, uh, they, they will have played, uh, by the end of this game, I think that this is their best chance for a win. Um, just because ASU, look, their, their strength is the rushing attack, and UW was, you know, brutalized by that last week against UCLA. And you and look, I mean, I know, you know, you can make defensive adjustments, but fixing your rushing defense, full, you know, making huge changes to it, uh, probably not going to happen in a week, you know. So I think there's I, – I, I'd give ASU like a 5% chance to win this game. Um, that seems very generous of you, Mark. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, it, it's college football. Like, Missouri almost beat Georgia last week, you know. Like, weird stuff happens. And uh, I do agree with you, though, that, like, playing UW after they lost definitely makes this – more challenging for ASU because if if UW had, you know beaten UCLA in like a offensive score fest and won forty three to forty, uh, they're probably not coming in to Tempe quite as like desperate, you know. And I feel like they're de- like you mentioned earlier, they're definitely going to want to get back against a first team to them. Yeah, and this is an opportunity to do that. Obviously, they have to you know go on the road, but it's not like that hurt Utah much I I mean you were there you saw what what that stadium was like it was almost all Utah fans at least in our section so well the the thing with the Utah performance is that I'll give them some level of slack on that just because it it was the week that Herm got fired everything like that I, I get that but I mean Eastern Michigan came in there and embarrassed them too so right I don't know I think this is the perfect spot for Washington and I, I guess what my point is, like, I just don't think in the Eastern Michigan game, it was clear that the effort just wasn't there, you know, to, yeah. to get ran for that much by a not very good group of five team. I mean, Eastern Michigan hasn't been killing it since they won that game. And then the Utah, uh, the Utah game, just the craziness of a new coach and adjusting to life after Herm Edwards and stuff like that. So I think like, if a, and, that, and that gets back to my point of if ASU plays like they did against NAU, Oklahoma State, USC, then they have a chance to win this game, even though UW's a better team, just because uh, they'll be playing more like sound football, more energized. Um, I mean, I, I guess I don't know. Like, I don't think they're going to win, but Tempe is a tough place for UW to play. Like, it's been a long time since UW has actually won uh, down in Tempe. And so they'll win by 17 instead of 35. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think they would win by 35. UW's defense is not that good, but we'll see. Um, Take the yeah, over. Uh, 
UW, the last time UW won on the road at ASU, I want you to guess what year that was. Uh, 2008. Nope, you got to go down. 2005. Lower. 2003. Lower. Oh, 2001. Yep. That's a long time. That's a that's really a long, long time. That's a ridiculous streak uh, for ASU to just keep winning at home like that. And some of it's circumstantial. You know, there have been a lot of bad UW teams over the years, too, that have come down. Or just average ones that have lost. Um, but, I mean, you know, as someone who grew up in the Northwest, like, the it's the weather is always going to be a shock if you come from, you know, mild October Western Washington weather all the way down to Tempe. And it's going to be like 90 degrees on Sunday, which if you're in Arizona, that feels great. But if you're just coming off the plane for the first day, that is a shock to the system. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think that will make somewhat of a difference. It's obvious, like you, you see in the NFL, these games down in Miami, guys are cramping up like crazy. It's not going to be like that because there's not the humidity. But I think the heat it makes it I, – I think it just makes things a little more difficult for a team like UW. Um Maybe, I mean, it probably won't – neither of us expect ASU to actually win this game. But uh, I think I, – I guess my, my whole point is if ASU plays like they did against USC, Oklahoma State, and NAU, this game can be, like, kind of competitive, and ASU can maybe lose by, like, 10 points or something. And they, they at least look like a like a, oh, you know, competent college football team, even if they're not a good one. That's that's very um it's very kind of you to say about them. I mean, I guess I don't know. Like I, I was a lot more encouraged from what I saw against USC than you seem to be. Um, no, I mean it, it. Obviously, keeping it close and everything like that is great. I just you USC's defense has been terrible from the jump, so I I yeah. expected ASU to score points. I mean, it kind of went exactly like. It wasn't anything outside of the realm of expectation for me. I think the only deviation might have been how close it was at halftime. Um, that That's like the only blip for me. But everything else in my mind, I'm like, yeah, that's probably what it should have looked like. USC, USC's defense is bad. Their offense is great. Um, and, yeah, that's that's basically what you got. It's the perfect spot to, to blast the over, and that's kind of, that right. was kind of my vested interest in it, um, right. which was good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it's encouraging after the performance against Utah. Maybe it's a sign of progress under Sean Aguano. Uh, maybe they're starting to round out a little bit and settle into this new, I guess, routine, new system. Um, and I, that could be progress. I just – Again, USC was never a juggernaut defensively, and I was thinking that obviously they'd, they'd score points. Um, but, yeah, who knows? Maybe it's a sign of progress. Being that close to a team on the road, it's number six in the country um, at half is is a step in the right direction, definitely. Who knows? Um, but I, I think, like you said, Washington's defense, not great. They just got torched by UCLA. UCLA is a good offensive team. Um, but the opportunity is definitely there for ASU to score some points. 
Um, I just don't think they'll be able to score enough of them. And uh, in this game, you need to score more points than your opponent to win the game. And that's why you listen to this podcast to get little tidbits like that. That's why you play to win the game. Yeah, you play to score points and in turn win the game. Correct. Yeah. Uh, I guess um, where I differ with you in in regards to USC is I think that them only losing (laughs) – like, losing the way they did, like, I thought it could have been a lot worse, you know? Like, could have been, even with USC's bad defense. Like, Eastern Michigan has a bad defense, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's, that's that's a completely different, like, that, that Eastern Michigan game, as humiliating as it was, kind of just feels like you have to throw it away. Yeah. Like, Herm Edwards was completely checked out. The whole staff the whole was team. completely checked out. Nobody was trying it, it it was obvious nobody was trying to win that game. Nobody cared enough to win that game. So now you have a completely different, I guess, leader, a different face of the whole operation in Sean Aguano and um I think it's that might start we we might see a little bit of development with that after like so far. It it could be progressing a little bit. But that Eastern Michigan game, I mean it, it they didn't want to play football, so it's, right. it's like how it's a tough metric to sort of use when talking about it. But based based on the the progression from Utah to SC, um, I, I, Utah just seems to be in a class of their own, um, and that Florida loss it, it just seems further and further away with every win. I I was a big Oregon yeah. State. Fan, I mean, coming into the year, I've I've really really enjoyed watching them this yeah, year. Yeah, dominant. Yeah, and they humiliated Oregon State, and that's one of the better. I mean, throw the USC game away, I guess, because that was seventeen ten. I think was the final, right? Something like that. Just fourteen. Yeah, like something weird. Just a complete outlier. But Oregon State offensively, I think they may have lost their quarterback early in that game. Um, but still, just wasn't even close. Um, and Utah continues to impress me. And the, the way that they shut ASU down right after um, Aguano comes in, like that that's not really shocking because Utah is just this juggernaut. USC, obviously, offensive juggernaut. Um, so they, it, it's tough to gauge where they're at because of the level of teams that they've yeah. played. Yeah, you, you're, you're looking at that, and you're like, where are they really? Because this is the number, what are they, 11, the number 11 team in the country and the number 6 team in the country, whatever it is, back-to-back weeks. And how do you really gauge where this week, team is? Yeah. yeah, but that's a good point with Washington. Is Washington's obviously another nationally ranked team, a pretty good offensive team, all of these things. Um, but I think they're not really in the stratosphere that, uh, Utah and USC are, so maybe we get a better sort of temperature check of where ASU is. Because I think it's extremely tough to gauge yeah. what this team even is right now because of the teams that they've had to play. Yeah, oh, 100%. Like, look, most likely ASU, because after this game they have a bye, mm-hmm. most likely they're entering the bye at 1-5, and five, you know. Yes. But, mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, whatever, I'm going to sound like a homer. I don't think there is, they would be – Depending on how they lose this week, depending on how they lose, if they lose at all. Um, but let's just say they lose, and let's just say they lose by, like, 10 points or something. 
I think you get you gave them a ninety five percent chance to lose. Yeah. So let's say in the ninety fifth percentile, what's happening? Or does that make sense? I don't know. What happens in the scenario, in the very likely scenario that they lose? What are what was your point? My point is that they go into the bye at one and five, um, and if they lose like a somewhat competitive game, I wouldn't be like, "Oh, this team's gonna lose the rest of the games this whole season." You know, like it's just weird how the schedule broke down. That possibly the only ranked opponent you'll play all year, um, you play in four of your first six games. Yeah, very front-loaded schedule. Um, But I think Colorado, obviously, they just fired their coach. They're still going to be terrible. Um, I I mean, they they, ASU, like, I I don't want to say they'll be favored in that game. In in Colorado? Yeah. Oh, I think they will. That might be the closest. It'll be a close spread, if anything. I don't know. They'll probably be favored. Colorado's terrible, but that it depends. It, so ASU plays Stanford on the road before they go to Colorado. It depends how ASU yeah. does in that game. Because I think yeah. ASU and Stanford are very um, – I think they're similar in the sense that, like, they're just both going to be bad teams, um, but probably not as bad as Colorado, you know? Yeah, that they're makes kind of sense. run-of-the-mill bad teams where Colorado was, like, historically bad. <laughs> and – I mean, I think they've lost every game by double digits. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, they're terrible. I've made a lot of money just fading them every week. It's yeah. been fun. Um, but anyway, you know, I, I'm like I said, I, I just, I'm, I'm hoping this team can just keep up the competitive play where you can tell they showed up to the game. You know, that's the thing with the Eastern Michigan game. They just didn't show up at yeah. the Washington State game last year was just a dark mark on their season. They didn't show up to play, you know. And that's, like, I just don't want to see any more of that, where it's just, like, completely uncompetitive. Um, yeah. And based on what I saw against USC, I'm encouraged uh, just with the level of just discipline, effort, all the corny stuff that coaches talk about. But uh, I was I was glad to see that was improved. And, you know, if some weird stuff happens and they play that, you know, play with that type of uh, consistency and competitiveness and that, like, then in a weird, you know, fumble, you know, whatever just weird stuff happens, then there's a way that they can beat UW. But, again, I would not yeah. <laughs> would not pick them to win that game at all. Uh, no, UW, definitely not. Yeah. Like, like you mentioned, they're a tier below USC and Utah. But that doesn't mean they can't beat ASU. Like, just because you're not a top 10 team doesn't mean you're not – they're still a ranked team. They're still good, you know. And that passing attack is going to be really tough for ASU to face. Um, look, like, UW's receivers, they don't get the same level of pub as the USC wide receivers. And, you know, rightly so. USC's wide receivers, have one of them won the freaking Bolitnikoff last year and – super high recruits and they play in Oklahoma, whatever, all the notoriety they had from transferring in. UW's guys are a little more under the radar, but they're still um, really good. They've, they've done really well against – they like UW's offenses showed up every single game. It's really just 
Penix threw two bad picks, uh, I want to say, in the second quarter of their loss to UCLA. And now, and that's the difference when you're facing a team like UCLA that has a really good offense and can torch you. Yeah. Like, I, the difference is, like, even if Penix has a game like that, I just don't know if ASU will be able to actually beat them. You know, I yeah. think it, I think ASU could easily lose, like, a 37 to 24 type of game, you know? Yeah, I could see that. I, I was just going to say, looking at the Washington, oh, it's doing that thing again. The Washington uh, UCLA game, I was watching that game, and that Jake Bobo guy is a monster. Yeah. Have you watched him play? Uh, I watched a, a little bit of that game and saw his plays. Yeah, his ability to run routes for a tight end is like next level. Just watching some of the routes that he was running, he had Washington DBs just like spinning. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, maybe that's an opportunity for Messiah Swinson in this game. Right after they just got torched by another tight end, obviously he's probably not on Jake Bobo's level. Um, but maybe there's a window there. Maybe ASU's looking at some ways to exploit that and, and um, do what UCLA did with their versatile tight end. But I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Elijah Badger had a great game. He's it. it he's really come on this season. Like he has been yeah. in the right spot, and he looks like a legitimate like. When they needed one too. When they yeah. needed somebody to step up. Right. Um. Because I mean, it was a huge area of weakness, and it's you know you can see this season. It's not like a. It's an area of strength this season. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, like, I guess just kind of wrapping up my thoughts. I, I'm just – I can see ASU playing a competitive-ish type game and just not getting completely blown out, you know. Yeah, definitely. I think they're they're going to be – at least based on what we saw in UCLA, they'll be competent offensively. Maybe competent is, is a stretch, but <laughs> – They'll, they'll be, let's say serviceable offensively for the rest of the year, which, I mean, if, if your defense shows up one night and just completely shuts the team down, that could be the difference right there. But offensively, I feel a little more encouraged right after seeing, uh, what they did against USC. Uh, I, I obviously I'm really low on USC's defense, but still number 16 in the country doing what they did. Um, yeah, it was definitely impressive. Well, and the other thing is, and this is why I'm, if they continue to play this way. Why'd you say it like that? Um, cause I'm a weirdo, and that's why. Uh, this is true. <laughs> if they continue to play like they did against Oklahoma State, USC, they, they don't play that many more, like, good defenses, you know. UW is not that great of a defense, but probably better than USC, but just, a- ASU will have its chances against them. Then it's Stanford. Okay, Stanford's not a good defense. Colorado, not a good defense. Um, UCLA, even. Like, UCLA is going to be a tough team to beat, but they don't have a good defense. Um, U of A at the end of the year. I mean, Cal put up 50 points on U of A. Like, they don't have a good defense. And so going on the road to play Wazoo, that'll be tough because they their defense is pretty solid, and uh, Oregon State's defense is solid as well, but you play them at home. Um, but I guess my point is like, I think they've, I think when, by playing Oklahoma state and Utah already, I think they faced the toughest defenses they're going to face this whole year. Yeah, definitely. I'd agree with that. 
they've, they've had the gauntlet. You kind of already alluded to that, but playing all of these guys so early on is, is tough. It's just a weird, it's just a weird, like, schedule, the way it's shaped, shook out, because there's a very different world where, if for whatever reason, let's just say the schedule was, uh, oh, you start out with Colorado on the road, and then you host uh, Oregon State after that. It's like, instead of going Utah, USC, UW, like, if, if the tougher games were more spread out in the schedule, then there's a chance the ASU just has a different record right now, and we're talking about them differently. But Yeah. You know, it all shakes out at the end of the year, I guess. But Yeah, if only they had to play the, the Titan that is Eastern Michigan later in the season. Revenge <laughs> game. Yeah. This is true. But anyway, um, I'm, you know, this team is what it is this year, and – for me, like, I'm just hoping guys just – I'm just hoping the guys, like I – just, I just hope they have fun for the rest of the year. Like, ultimately, you're playing sports, and, like – That's very sweet of you, Mark. To have fun, you know. That is very sweet of you. Yeah. I'll bring them orange slices after the game, too. That, I'm sure they'd really appreciate that. You're just standing outside of the gate holding a bag of oranges up so they know that you've brought them. With my name no, once, they, once they see what I have, they'll let me in. I don't need a credential. I do George Costanza, where they have to know they're coming from me, you know, with like the tip. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Very, right very good reference, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we'll see what happens against UW. Uh, I will say this: if if ASU can beat UW and get, enter the bye at two and four. I think they make a bowl game. Ooh, six and six. Yeah. That's what you have to be, right? Yep. Did they change that? No. Okay. Six and six. Is there a path to six and six? I just don't see it. So the path would be. Um, I gotta pull up ASU schedule. This is great audio right now. Uh, yeah, I'm okay. pulling it up too. So, I, I know this week we have let's both. Let's just say okay. this week's a loss. Right. Okay. Right? No. No. But my my point was, if they win this game, then they oh, can, okay. Yeah. All right. So not, they're, no, they're, they're, they're not making a bowl if they start out one and five. Okay, but yeah. what would be the path still if they win in this game? If they beat yeah. Washington, if they upset Washington, if they're two and four. So they obviously have to beat Stanford and Colorado, right? Yes, 100%. So, okay, let's just say whatever weird things happen and ASU somehow wins this game. Get to 2-4, and you enter the bye at 2-4. and After that, uh, October 22nd, you're at Stanford. You have to win that game. That's non-negotiable, have to win that. Then the next week, at Colorado, you double have to win that game. Um. Then on November 5th, you host UCLA. That's probably a loss, but I don't know. I just I, – I feel like ASU just kind of matches up well against UCLA. Or they did last year at least, but I guess they lost so much. So they're, just, at four, like it's, it's, they're at four and four going into the UCLA game. So they'd have to go two and four against UCLA – 
Washington or two and two, sorry. Yeah. Two and two over against UCLA, Washington State, Oregon State, and Arizona to make a bowl game if they beat Washington this week. It would be tough. It would be really tough. Yeah, that I mean, even if they beat UCLA and they need to get one more win, I would say it probably comes against U of A. Yeah. But oh man, I, I have right, no let me, idea. It let me already, revise. No, 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 no. It's okay because it's it's a good like it's a good point. Is it even possible? And this is all this whole scenario is predicated on them beating number twenty one Washington. Exactly. So it's yeah. No, this is all hypothetical. Um, but let's just say they beat Washington again. Completely hypothetical. They beat him and they beat Stanford and Colorado. Um, or I guess my point is if. If they beat UW and go to two and four, they at least have a chance at a bowl game, like a legitimate chance, where you can squint yeah. and be like, "Oh, if we upset Oregon State at home, or maybe we squeak out a win on the road at Wazoo, or something like things that could happen, but don't have a good chance of happening." You know, unlike beating Utah or beating USC. Uh, right. I I think. And you would have to um, win the territorial cup too. You would have to. So yeah, and I think any any hope of some mediocre postseason game comes down to this game against Washington. If they don't win this game, and they they, I mean that leaves them with having to go five and one the rest of the way, which yeah, just that's, yeah. isn't going to happen. So any hope of a postseason, if you're if you're a big fan of the Bad Boy Mower Bowl or whatever it is. Any hope of seeing your precious devils in the bad boy Mahler Bowl comes down to this game against Washington. I don't think the uh, I don't think the Pac-12 team goes to that bowl, but yeah, you just know all of that off the top of your head. I I I actually think I do know that. Yeah, I don't. I, I think that's it like goes to the bad boy Mahler Bowl. Is it still even called that? It's like a, it's like the Sun Belt versus the MAC or something. Like they would go to like bowl. the Vegas Bowl. Oh, it's the Gasparilla Bowl now. Oh, okay. Um, wait, renamed as an Okay, so. Oh, Union Home Mortgage is now the sponsor. Oh. Never mind, I can't keep up. Um, I'm trying to conference tie-ins. Okay, the first three editions featured teams from the CUSA and the Big East. Um, twenty two. The Bulls, 20, uh, as of the 2020 football season, the Bull has a complex set of tie-ins such that it could feature teams from eight different conferences, from the Power Five, ACC, Big 12, Pac-12, SEC. Oh. Check in, mate. All right. So they have like a six, – if six and six ASU gets to a bowl game, they could be. They're What's it called, the Union there. Home Mortgage Bowl or the – uh, it is the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. Ah, okay. It is played at Raymond James Stadium. Uh, formerly played at Tropicana Field. Um, so they could be headed down to to Tampa. If not they... the worst place to go for a bowl game. No, there's, not there's at a bowl all. game in Boise, Idaho, in December. I'd rather be in Tampa. Than... Yeah, who played in this last year? Oh wait. Previous covers, yeah, the tie-ins are elaborate. Oh, Florida and UCF last year. 
So this game might be a little too prestigious for ASU. I don't know. Well, Florida was six and six last year, so it'd be oh and UCF. It, UCF. If this does them. happen, it would be Emory Jones' second straight trip to that bowl. Oh man, you know he wants to go back to the Gasparilla Bowl. Yeah, totally. The Duke's I mean, like bowl. in all seriousness, like where this team is, like right now, and like the perception of the team and just everything that's happened, like even going to just some weird bowl game would actually be like a huge success. Yeah. And it all comes down to this week, Mark. It does. Yeah. So, um, I think ASU loses 37, 24. What about you? Um, give me, that's a good prediction. I'll go, I'll go 35 to 20. It feels like a, uh, I would say it feels like a it has a chance to be like an NFL blowout and not like a college blowout. If yeah, that makes sense. So wait, what's what the total? Um, oh, 57. 35 twenty. All right, you know what? Just for the sake of the over, I'm going twenty three to thirty five, okay. and it goes over by a point. How's that? That would be enticing. Um. Some interesting news happened over the weekend. Um, there's another open job in the Pac-12. We've been talking about how bad Colorado is, and they decided to fire Carl Durrell, and they are now joining the coaching search. That move was kind of expected. What was not expected was Wisconsin firing Paul Christ and entering into the coaching search. Uh, so with those moves, ASU joins – Nebraska, Georgia Tech, and Colorado and Wisconsin in the as the Power Five schools uh, looking for head coaches. So more competition to get the to, to get a good coach. Uh, although I don't think Colorado like ASU is a better job than Colorado, but it's interesting that uh, just more and more more and more jobs are opening, and you know the one that everyone thinks is going to open to Auburn still hasn't opened yet. So. Uh, it's just more and more competition for uh, coaches, so that's definitely interesting. How do you feel about uh, Michael Crow saying uh, Deion Sanders, and it, without saying that Deion Sanders might not be qualified for the ASU job, right? basically saying that he wasn't qualified? <laughs> How do you feel about that, Mike? I don't like it, but I like that – uh, I guess he was acknowledged. The interview you're talking about. Yeah, I like that Michael Crow at least seems to be engaged in this and like seems to care. I mean, maybe he always has. It just sometimes doesn't feel that way. But um, you know, we'll see. Maybe hey, maybe he's uh, throwing everyone off the scent. Yeah, that's a good point. Hey, he's he's acknowledged him, which is good. Exactly. So and and it's the way he spoke because it was uh, that was an interview with Arizona Sports right that he was on yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the way he the, the way the quote he said in the quote it was like uh, that people had been bringing it up to him so maybe the boosters really won which I would not hate <laughs> that um, would be that would be a wild hire or I saw today um. Obviously, Mike Norvell's name was floated. And it's like, does he really leave Florida State for ASU? No. I don't think so. 
Also, he's Florida State's been good this year. So yeah, they're, they're having a good season. I doubt that happens, but he's another name that was floated. Um, I think there was one more. I'm trying to remember. And it, it was a guy with ASU ties, I think. And I'm, I'm, it oh, it was, uh, yeah, the Oregon offensive coordinator. Yeah. What did you say his name was? Kenny Dillingham. Yeah, yeah, that's who it was. I'd be fine with him. And, you know, he was a GA under the Graham staff and, um, I think he's from Arizona, and uh, from what I've read, like he is very connected within the high school coaching, Arizona high school coaching community, and uh, seemed to be. I, I read somewhere that like he was actually has some connections with boosters as well. So that Dillingham would make sense if they brought him in, even though he's pretty inexperienced, but does have the offensive bent uh, that I'm looking for. So yeah, Mark, can I try one of your patented segues real quick? Sure. Speaking of bringing people in, uh, Sean Iguano brought in some recruits to practice hey. this week. How's that? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Had, that picture's and, wild. <laughs> like, I, yeah. For, so for what we're talking about, uh, this was on Wednesday. Uh, Iguano had – it was like 50, 50, 60 uh, of the top in-state recruits from the classes of 23, 24, and 25 into the morning practice. And you, and if you check out uh, Arizona Sports 360 AZ, their Twitter account, they have a picture of it. It's just, it's just a lot of you know high school recruits uh, just talking or like listening to a speech with a guano, and this is like. This is just so encouraging to see, you know, like prioritize Arizona recruits. Like just the the fact that the last staff didn't do that is just so mind boggling to me. Um, I know that they focus on California and, but they also like from what people have said, like the Arizona coaches felt like they were like disrespected by the last staff. And it's like, that's what bothers me so much is like, just have good relationships with people. Iguano does that, you know? Yeah, definitely. He seems like a likable guy, so. And honestly, good. like, after just seeing some of that and seeing the way, again, just for me, the way the team played against USC, like, he's look, Iguano's not my first choice to be the head coach. But if he does end up being the head coach, I don't think it's like a disaster just because of all the connections he has with the Arizona um the Arizona and Phoenix-based high school coaches. And apparently they really like him, too. Like, I mean, that makes sense. Like, anything you've heard from Iguano, he just seems like a really nice guy. Um, but also, like, clearly he has success running a program, obviously not a college program, but uh, high school. And, you know, like we talked about in one of our previous episodes – you know, Chandler wasn't always the powerhouse that it is now. And that all that credit goes to Iguano. Um so that's a good, you know, it, it it's one thing to take over like I don't know, like some elite private school that, you know, recruits players and does all that and be a great high school program. But it's one thing to build it up uh at a public school, you know. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah. <clears throat> it's just it's just so encouraging to see um all all these recruits watching practice and being uh focused in on and uh it's also just like I feel like if Iguano's doing this, like I feel like it signifies that even if they do have another head coach, that he might remain on staff. Yeah, definitely. I think, and I think he should, especially. Well, I guess it's not solidified yet, but um, I, I think he has a chance this season to. I mean, he was already on staff. He's already yeah. running back coach, so he has a chance this season to to build on that and maybe even depending on how the offense plays, land an offensive coordinator job, something like that, depending on who gets brought in. Right. Um, but at the very least, a role on this staff. Yeah, and well, and he's been – it's not like he's has only been a college coach for like a year. He's mm-hmm. fresh out of high school. He's been on the staff for like three, four years. He knows the college game. And the running backs have been the best, like, position <laughs> at ASU, even this year. Yeah. Like, Valde and Gata are like the bright spots of the team right now. I know there's been some other guys, but they've both been really good, and that I can't just ignore that when it comes to Iguano. And I mean, even last year, Rashad White, really, I mean, he was awesome, you know. And I just I trust Iguano, and while I would rather have, um, you know, gun to my head, I'd rather have like a Dion or. Um, if Matt Rule gets fired by the Panthers, which hey, thank you, thank you, Cardinals for playing a not very good game at all <laughs> last week and still beating the Panthers. Um, yeah. If Matt Rule, like, like if there's an obvious choice, I would rather they go with that. But if it does just end up being a Guano, I'm not going to be like super upset. Like I said, just because of all the high school recruiting connections, all the other stuff he brings. Um, I just don't. What I don't like about the Aguano conversation is so many AS, not so many, but a good chunk of ASU fans being like, oh, let's root for him to get the job. And, you know, he's a nice guy, so he should get the job after this. Uh, it's like, no, no, he still needs to prove, like, they can't just finish 2-10 and 10 this year and he gets the job, you know. So, again, we'll see what happens the rest of the year. But yes, Mark, all this is said. interesting. What? No, sorry. I was just agreeing with you, Mark. Don't worry. But yeah, um, and especially with with more coaching jobs coming open, um, that does throw throw a wrench into this, you know. Because ASU is not the best job available. Yeah, probably not. Not the worst I, job. Not it's the not the job. worst, but what would you say is number one in terms of the best? Yeah, like the most desirable one. I'm I would say, yeah. I would say if and when Auburn opens, uh, they'll be the best job because they have the capability of winning a national championship. Um, mm-hmm. Although I think it's extremely tough to win a natty there. Like Cam Newton, <laughs> like arguably the best college football player of all time was the reason they won their last one. But yeah. it happened, and so uh, you have proof of concept there. So they're number one. I think, but that job's not open. So as of right now, I think Wisconsin is number one. Um, That's what I was thinking too. Yeah, because they Do you have, think ASU is like two? I think you. I think take Auburn out of the equation. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, right now. 
I think one could argue that ASU is two. I would still have Nebraska above ASU just because just because Nebraska, again, being in the Big Ten, more money, uh, they have a more passionate fan base. Like no one's gonna. Mm-hmm. They're like starved for any. Um, they're starved for like an eight and four season. Dude, they're starved for what ASU has been the last ten years. I know it's crazy. It's so weird. Like, I get that Nebraska is in like a very geographically isolated area for finding college football talent, but I just don't know how they could have been not even like average in the past decade. They've they've been losing seasons every single year. Um, but with all that said, the reason I have them ahead of ASU is just because in the NIL world, they just have more money to play with. And so that that just gives them uh, – that, that just makes them a better job. But I, you know I could Warren listen to Buffett the argument. What? I said, did you know Warren Buffett went there? I just Googled them. Oh, did he? I know he's from yeah. Nebraska. Warren Buffett went to the University of Nebraska. The more you know. Yeah. Um, but I could listen to the argument of someone saying that ASU is a better job just because there's more talent. Uh, and I guess having, like, not a crazy fan base is probably appealing to some college football coaches. Um, so maybe with that aspect to it. But the main reason for ASU potentially being a better job than Nebraska, which I don't agree with, but – uh, would just be the local recruiting talent and closer to California and all that stuff. So, uh, but I do think ASU is at, at worst the third best job available. Yeah, because some people would say Georgia Tech is better because they're in Atlanta, but uh, Georgia Tech it's tough to get in there, you know, and that limits the pool of kids you can actually have on a football team. Um, and I was listening to a Cover 3 podcast, and uh, one of their hosts, Bud Elliott, was mentioning that not only is it tough to get kids in there because of academics, they also don't have, like, an easy major that they can uh, dump all these kids, dump some college. Oh, like communications or something? Yeah. not Yeah, exactly. Whereas, at, like, at ASU, you have those everywhere. <laughs> and it, really, most Power 5 schools, you have those type of type of degrees that you can uh, have kids go into if they wouldn't have gotten into the school otherwise. Um, so I don't, I just, I think, and like as bad as ASU is right now, Georgia Tech has been like an ASU level team for the past like three years. And so that takes time to get out from. You know? And Georgia Tech, uh, I think they play Georgia and Clemson every single year. So Probably Clemson. I don't know about Georgia. No, because that's their in-state rival, even though they're not in the same conference. Really? Okay. So if you're Georgia Tech, you're starting the year until the foreseeable future with two losses already. That, like... Yeah, I guess that's true. They do Um, play Georgia. (laughs) And Clemson. And Clemson. Oh, wait, University of Georgia Athletics Football History. Yeah, they play them every year. Yeah, that would that would not be fun. That's terrible. Um, yeah. And in Colorado, like, they're the worst job on the board. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. I was listening. Apparently, Colorado's had one top 25 season in the past 20 years or something like that. 
And that's that's so bad. Like, was it that year that they had uh, what was his name? Montez. Yeah. Well, um, it, it was the one year that they played for the Pac-12 championship game. They had a ton of that team had like Tedrick Thompson and uh, Chidobia Wuzier. Oh yeah. That team like that team had a ton of seniors. Uh, it was just a. Was Philip Lindsay on that team? I think Philip Lindsay was on that team. Uh, they had Cepho, uh Lufau as their quarterback, Tacoma native. Mm-hmm. So that was a really good team, but it's literally been their one good year that they've had in like 20 years. And we complain about ASU, but they've—I mean—they've had scattered top 25 appearances in that span, and they also haven't been like Colorado's done like one and 11 a bunch of times. Yeah. Like that is just, peaked at number six in the poll. I mean, that's that's solid. Yeah, our freshman year, I remember that. But um, and the other thing is like Colorado. Like if you're if you're that bad for that long, like that's really gonna have adverse effects. Future and another thing about Colorado that people don't think about is like a lot of people are like, oh, Boulder's a beautiful place, and how it, how could it be hard to attract talent there? And I agree with them to a point on that. But also, like, if you look at the states that surround Colorado, there's almost no high school talent. I mean, they're next to Wyoming and New Mexico, uh, Kansas. But whereas ASU in Arizona yourself, you have a bunch of talent, or a good amount at least. Uh, and you're right next to Southern California. And even Vegas is close to you too. So, like, there's just easier, like, on paper uh, recruiting um, options you have here as opposed to Colorado. So we'll see what I mean. They could very easily hire a better coach than us in this cycle and, you know, turn all this conversation around. But uh, right now, it just feels it, it would not be fun to be a Colorado fan. <laughs> We're ASU yeah, fans. So. <laughs> yeah, either way, that's two terrible places to be in. Yeah, very true. <sighs> All right, Mark, well, you see we wrap this up. Go watch yeah, some football. That's, that's what I was gonna gonna recommend. Um yeah, so any anything else you want to add as we close out? Uh just final thoughts. Yeah. No, Mark, I think we, we just about covered it. Um yeah, nothing from me. Cool. All right, well, uh thanks for watching or listening, everyone, and Go Devils, this is Mark Harris with Colton Dodgson on the Stomp. The real Mark Harris.